We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. I want to encourage you um, this week and I was thinking about it uh, this morning. We don't have to have communion just on a Sunday morning here. We can have it halfway through a wedding. We can have it any time. So if you're with any of the church family uh, during this coming week or a coming couple of weeks, why don't you, if you're meeting for a coffee, why don't you just take a bit of bread um, and a bit of fruit juice with you either in your home or maybe you're, you're meeting in a coffee shop and just have communion together, just, just two or three of you. Um, just a su- suggestion there. And look, something else that's been, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a concern, but um, there's been a sense amongst uh, the Christian uh, community overall and, and in our church uh, as well about the end times and whether this whole COVID thing is part of the, uh, uh, the end times. Is, is the world going to finish up tomorrow? Um, are we ever going to get over this COVID thing? And there's been a sense of uh, worry, perhaps concern. Um, people are a little bit distressed. And, and to that end, uh, and I'd really encourage you to do this, um, Nick has put up uh, a 20-minute video as of yesterday uh, through the magic of, uh, uh, through the magic of um, technology uh, Nick has appeared to us <laughs> on Facebook as of about 8.15 last night just to go through a few of the end uh, time issues that um, Christians around the world are, are, are concerned about and it, it's, it, it has had a little bit of an impact on our church family as well. So I'd really uh, encourage you to... Um, Watch that video. It takes about uh, 20 minutes. Nick says he wasn't doing a sermon, but he was. Uh, but it's only about 20 minutes long. And uh, the main thing out of it, and I, I, I want to bring this out in my sermon a little bit later on, is we shouldn't be dismayed. We shouldn't be worried. Uh, we should remember that uh, Jesus uh, is in charge of this world. So on that note, I'd just like to invite uh, Jeanette up to do the reading for this morning, John chapter 9. Thanks, Jeanette. Good morning, everyone. Morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you. (laughs) Our reading today comes from the New Testament book of John. Chapter 9 and reading verses 1 to 15. And the heading in my Bible, the NIV version, is Jesus heals a man born blind. So this is John chapter 9, reading verses 1 through to 15. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, 
said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? they asked. He replied, The man they call Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. This is the word of God. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to meet together. Thank you for the opportunity to be part of your family. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your uh, presence with us, whether it's here at church or at home or at work. Lord, we, and we thank you too that uh, regardless of the restrictions that the virus puts on us, Lord, we are, you are still in charge. And we thank you for that. And we see that in this passage um, this morning. So, Lord, we just, I just pray that uh, no words will come out of my mouth that aren't from you, Lord, and pray for your uh, Holy Spirit as um, it disseminates uh, your truth to us this morning in your name. Amen. Well, we've been doing a um, series uh, off and on uh, for... Um, or in James, yes, in James, in John, thank you, uh, in John, and we're up to chapter, uh, and we're up to chapter nine. Nick's taken care of uh, chapters one to eight. Um, Deb is going to be preaching uh, next uh, week on uh, chapter ten, and we're going to be looking at chapter nine this morning. And it just struck me. Um, uh, this morning as we were praying just how amazing the privilege is 
to uh, be able to uh, preach or uh, to say out loud the words of Jesus. And uh, when I look at uh, my particular Bible that's marked in red, I can see there's quite a bit of red in chapter 9 as, uh, as Jesus um, speaks. And his words are precious. And I want you to take special notice of those words uh, this morning. The title for my talk this morning was Who is the Blind One? Who is the blind one in this story? And it's basically divided up into uh, three parts. The first part is an interaction uh, of Jesus with a blind man and subsequent healing. The next, um, the Pharisees get hold of this man and they're not satisfied with his answers so they get hold of his parents He's an adult, obviously, but they get hold of his parents uh, and they are none the wiser after that through their own ignorance. And then quite amazingly, um, this fellow gets to have a second audience, if you like, or uh, runs into uh, Jesus again uh, in the end of the chapter. And what I want to do is just go through... Um, not word by word, but just uh, scene by scene, and just talk through uh, uh, what is happening there. And I was talking before just about people being, um, during this season, being distressed and being upset. Even as Christians, we're perhaps worried, uh, we're anxious. And what I want to reiterate uh, throughout John and the fact that there are some uh, huge miracles in John is that Jesus cares for us very, very much. He cared for the people that he came across during his earthly ministry. He cares very much today. God's the same yesterday, today and forever. And so um, Jesus of the New Testament is the same Jesus today. And if you're wanting something to encourage you um, through the week, um, I strongly recommend um, a, a great uh, Christian teacher called Max Lucado, L-U-C-A-D-O. If you look him up on Facebook, he's got a daily video uh, devotion and he's going through... Uh, John, um, the, the Gospel of John as well and he stresses every um, uh, every little five minute video that he has each day how much Jesus loves us and that we are never alone we might feel more alone than we've ever felt um, especially as we get socially isolated uh, from others we can't do what we normally do with meeting together but Jesus, the Jesus then, 2,000 years ago, is still the Jesus now. And uh, very encouraging. So we have this blind fellow. And just to set the scene, uh, this is still around the time of the Feast of the Tabernacles. 
And one of the things that we learned from, um, from Nick the last time he preached was um, one part uh, of the Feast of the Tabernacles is a lot of light, a lot of light happening. They, they lit up these big urns uh, full of um, uh, used fat and oil and they lit these up and you could see them from uh, miles around. And what Jesus uh, has been doing with his ministry so far is he's been trying to uh, spread his truth, trying to make it real uh, for the people there and still for the people um, uh, for us today in terms of he's talked uh, about himself being the bread of life, about being the water, and now we see him... Um, saying that he is the light and his disciples and the, the people, other people that were listening to him would have remembered those huge urns full of light, full of light. And he was saying to this particular man uh, and the disciples um, that uh, he... Uh, was the light of the world. But the first thing I want to uh, uh, touch on is um, as the, as, as the uh, disciples were walking along, they saw this man begging and uh, blindness was a huge problem uh, in those particular days. So there's no social service, there's no backup, if you are blind, you are completely, in those days, dependent on other people. Uh, and you're dependent on your own wits and resources in terms of getting some money. So he's got a begging bowl. And the disciples quite callously just treat him as a bit of an object listen or as a bit of a, a question and answer um, with Jesus and say to him, "Oh, Jesus, this 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 blind guy just here as we're walking by is has that blindness been caused by his sin or the sins of his parents?" So it was a very sort of academic thing. It wasn't, "Oh, Jesus, here's here's a blind man that needs um, our attention." And I would imagine that Jesus was a bit upset by this. I don't want to read too much into it. But we see in verse uh, 3 that Jesus just cuts that argument down straight away and says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So the disciples thinking, oh, what does that mean? And uh, the blind man would have heard this uh, conversation going on and wondering what this means. So Jesus then, after he's made this comment, and he really put the disciples in their place, and I think it's a good lesson for us to... Um, sometimes we need to be put in our place, and we don't have the love that we should have uh, for those that are suffering around us and we try and um, figure out why this person is blind or why 
uh, they're real and it's not for us to do that. But straight away, Jesus um, spat on the ground uh, and uh, mixed up some uh, spittle and uh, my doctor daughter just informed me that it's highly uh, unhygienic uh, to do. Oh, it's not COVID safe, so Jesus was, yeah. Um, and uh, But there was a feeling or um, a belief in those days that there were some healing properties in spittle. So it wasn't uh, unusual for... Um, people to spit in the ground or to um, do something like this. We look at it now and think, why is he doing? Why is he doing that? What's interesting is that um, Jesus did that, formed a bit of mud, stuck it on the uh, this man's eyes, and then told him to do something. Now, did Jesus need to do that? Did Jesus need to spit on the ground and make up a paste and stick it on his eye to heal that guy? He didn't have to do that, did he? Didn't have to do that. And uh, But he gave the man um, a job to do, his res- a, a bit of responsibility. He said, right, you've got to get up and you've got to walk with mud in your eyes Probably didn't matter because he was blind, I guess. But uh, And you've got to go to this pool and you've got to wash in the pool. And so already uh, in this chapter we see um, Jesus talking to himself, uh, sorry, talking to the disciples and saying, uh, I'm the light of the world, but I'm not always going to be with you. Time is short. The darkness is coming. You need to do uh, as I am doing, the work of him uh, who sent you. And so we've got this idea uh, of light. Now we've got this blind person who can't see any light at this point and then Jesus sends him on his way to wash in the pool of Shalom. And this has got quite some significance Uh, This water source, it's the main water source for Jerusalem. I read that Hezekiah um, got this aqueduct, etc., working many hundreds of years before. And uh, Jesus had already talked uh, about water and him being um, the living water to the Samaritan woman. And so there's a bit of significance there for the man, for the disciples, uh, that he do that. But for us today, I think there's a sense that um, Jesus tests our faith often. It might not be uh, with healing uh, from a particular disease or illness, but uh, he will often give us some responsibility in our walk with him and he's asking us to experience or to exhibit or to exercise some faith in him. He's wanting us to do our bit, to do our bit. So when issues uh, come along, uh, Jesus may not heal us immediately or fix whatever our problem is, 
but what he's asking us to do is to um, uh, do something uh, for ourselves. He, he might uh, suggest that we go and talk to a friend. He might suggest that we spend some time fasting. He might suggest that we spend some time uh, praying and in his word before he um, uh, will help us with our issue. Um, I try very hard, and it is hard, to not just in my prayers each day give to God a um, shopping list of things that I want him to do for me. Because that might not be what he wants to do for me. And I need to spend more time in prayer, more time in God's word to find out what it is exactly that I should be uh, that I should be praying for. But anyway, this fellow goes away. Um, he does his bit. He goes away, washes his face, his eyes, and all of a sudden he can see. And his neighbours say, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Others say, no, he only looks like him. But we see the first of his comments where he has to prove himself, this poor fellow. He says, it's me, okay, it's me. I'm the man that you saw begging. I don't look like the man, I am the man. And um, they say, well, how did you get your eyesight back? And at this point in the story, this uh, person says, oh, this man came along. And this man did this to my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam, which I did, and I washed and then I could see. And then they say, where is this man? And he says, oh, I don't know. All right. So just um, take note of that uh, concept. Somebody asked him, okay, who was it that did it? And he said, a man, just a man. Okay, and here come the Pharisees. Jesus, I told you Jesus was going to be in trouble with the Pharisees, and of course he was, because what did he do? He healed somebody on uh, the Sabbath, the most holy day. And apparently you're not allowed to help anybody on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to show kindness, okay, because that's what Jesus was doing. In fact, in, in fact, it was life-changing kindness that Jesus was showing. And um, first of all, the Pharisees try and get their story straight and they bring the man in. Um, and the Pharisees are sort of talking amongst themselves and trying to talk to this man and, he's, and the Pharisees are saying, well, this man can't be from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Goodness me, you know, showing kindness to somebody, healing somebody on the Sabbath was considered uh, working on the Sabbath, which was something that you shouldn't do. The fact that there'd been no miraculous healings for some hundreds of years before Jesus appeared on the scene, uh, on the scene didn't seem to occur to them. 
But we see in verse 17 that finally after talking amongst themselves and chattering, they turned to the man who had been healed and they said, well, who healed you? Now, um, some hours or perhaps a day or two had passed since he was healed and uh, remember the, the, the fellow said first of all to his friends, oh, he was just a man. This time he said, oh, I'm a prophet. Uh, uh, it was a prophet that did it. By this stage the Pharisees are getting nowhere and so they send for his parents see if they can get any sense out of out of him but they're really clutching at straws because he's an adult he can talk for him himself but they get the parents in and uh, the parents say well we know he was born blind uh, he is of age he can speak for himself and the second time they summoned the man this is verse 24 uh, and they really got stuck into him um, and said well, we think this man is a sinner. We don't think he's from God. And they go into a whole lot of detail. What did he do to you? How did he open his eyes? And by this stage, this fellow is getting quite frustrated. He now realises, starting to realise that whoever healed him was not just a man. He was at least a prophet. And he said, look, I've told you the story. I've already told you the story. Do you not understand what I said uh, the first time? And then they, they, they are clutching at straws and they say, well, if you think he's a prophet, who's, who is he a prophet of? Uh, we believe in Moses. Who does this person um, uh, believe in? Um, and they say in verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses, for as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And yet it was quite clear from the previous chapter, verse, uh, uh, verse 58, chapter 9, that, um, of chapter 8, sorry, verse 58 of chapter 8, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was I am. How clear does Jesus have to be? And they would realise the significance of saying, um, uh, I am. So the Pharisees are really, um, they don't know what to do. And it's easy for us um, 2,000 years on from these uh, situations to say why didn't the Pharisees understand? Why didn't they understand? You know, they should have known that um, the Messiah was on his way. But we just need to be um, a little bit careful. It's been 400 years, 450 years maybe, since the last, um, since the last uh, prophecies of... Uh, Malachi and um, 400 years for them to really instill a whole system of belief based on rules and regulations and they completely lost track of the fact that um, 
way back even in Isaiah's time, um, thousands of years before, um, uh, before Jesus, that uh, the Messiah was coming. And the Messiah was going to heal the eyes of the blind. Nicodemus had, as we saw in previous chapters, Nicodemus had a little bit of a sense of that. Don't know where Nicodemus is at the moment. He, uh, he may be back in Jerusalem, I think it was, and he wasn't actually present at this point. Um, but all the others are just going on their own human understanding. And so it's easy for us to judge um, uh, the Pharisees, but sometimes we can be a bit pharisaical as well. We think that we've got the whole picture. Apart from the second coming of Jesus Christ, we've pretty much got it all sorted. We've had thousands of years now, um, and in our, in our own lifetime, if we've been a Christian for a long time, we've had years, decades, generations of Bible teaching, and so we can see the end from the beginning. But sometimes we feel that way. Uh, we uh, can act like the Pharisees. We're not consistent with our walk with Jesus Christ. We're not consistently loving and obeying him. Uh, we're not consistently being confident in our faith. We doubt sometimes. Sometimes we're proud. Sometimes we're just proud of who we are and what we've achieved in our lives, just as the Pharisees were. They were proud of their position in uh, society. Um, and so we've got to realise that we look at these Pharisees and we say, how can they be like this? How can they, they drag in the fellow, they drag in his parents, then they drag him in again, and he's getting frustrated to the point that he's actually teaching them. He's actually teaching them. The Pharisees just didn't get it. But what they should have been doing was remembering and getting their scroll of Isaiah out. And I just want to read these verses because these verses pointed to Jesus Christ. But they also point for us today, they point, uh, they give us some incredible encouragement. So... Um, Isaiah 42.5 and this is what they should have been reading and we need to, uh, for our own encouragement, we need to be reading these too. This is what God the, the Lord says, He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, I will take hold of your hand. What more precious uh, picture do we have of that? I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. 
See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Isn't it incredible that we have a, um, a God uh, like that? And that uh, prophecy of Isaiah was pointing towards Jesus, and yet they missed it altogether. And there are many more um, uh, references uh, to that. And now we come to the final um, part of the uh, of this story, and it's quite amazing in that um, this blind man, and I'm sure it was intentional on Jesus' part, but he runs into Jesus again. The first time was to be healed. The second time, uh, it's for Jesus to really um, ask the man how he's going and how his belief is going. So Jesus feel, uh, um, healed him physically, but as we see with all uh, the miracles, when it has to do uh, with people, and most of Jesus' miracles were for people. He didn't just go flying through the air, which he could have done, and said, look at me, look at what I can do. It was all related to us. It was all related to our needs um, uh, and uh, our health and all sorts of uh, amazing things. And Jesus said, uh, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this fellow said, who is he, sir? The man asked, this is verse 36, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then uh, the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So he would have realised, obviously, he would have recognised Jesus and said, well, you're, you're the person. You're the person that actually healed me. And so we see this amazing progression in this, this fellow who actually the Pharisees excommunicated him. They got so sick of him that they excommunicated him, which was a huge thing for a Jew to not be able to go into the temple anymore. But this fellow has gone from calling Jesus a man to calling him a prophet to now acknowledging him as the son of man. And so it's a terrific example to us of um, a, a, a spiritual growth. And this may have happened, it might have happened over... Uh, a few hours, most likely a few days though, but he's gone from calling Jesus a man to actually worshipping him. So he's a terrific example to us of how our faith is going. From the time that we first met Jesus to now, how's our faith been growing? How have we been becoming more spiritually Mature, or have we got sidelined uh, along the way? Have we become Pharisees? We we have doubt. We have we judge other people. We have a lack of love. We uh, we get tied up with legalism, uh, hostility, perhaps uh, a lack of love, selfishness. Or have we been like this man and pretty much stayed uh, true? Uh, to the course Um, and it really goes back to um, 
uh, the beginning of this chapter, and I'll finish off here, where Jesus' precious words, um, straight from his mouth, John chapter 9, he said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. So there's a real um, emphasis there for us to be spiritually growing, to be like this man that Jesus is about to heal. We must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. It's difficult. In other words, you can't see what you're doing when it's dark. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. So I'll just ask again, how is our spiritual growth? Is it like this man who went from uh, an interaction with Jesus when it comes to healing, but very quickly he went from a person that described Jesus as a man to describing Jesus as a prophet, and he had to speak out his faith to the Pharisees to the point that they persecuted him and they excommunicated him, and then through to the point where he bowed down and worshipped Jesus. And I'm sure we will meet that man in heaven. So, who is the blind one? I don't think it's that fellow. I think he went, uh, he went from being blind uh, right through to being able to see in a very short space of time and he took his faith seriously. And what about the Pharisees? How did they bear up with, uh, um, with the whole thing? If we look at the last verse of uh, chapter 9, they were saying to Jesus, but surely we're not blind. <laughs> and Jesus said, basically Jesus said, you can see and yet you are blind. You have no idea. But don't we have an amazing Lord? Don't we have an amazing, uh, don't we have an amazing Jesus? He's miraculous uh, healer. He wants to hold our hand. He wants to guide us through life. He wants us to grow in faith. He doesn't want to leave us back at that initial uh, point at which we met him. He wants us to uh, go on and be strong and to have a knowledge and to teach others. The Pharisees accused this fellow of teaching them and that's what he was doing. But he was uh, able to share. All he was doing was really sharing his faith and they didn't see it because they were blind. So we need to make sure, we need to be keeping a, a check on our spiritual journey. Make sure that we're not getting waylaid by um, uh, false teachers. We need to be uh, uh, realise that through our own inaction we don't want to be 
uh, waylaid. We don't want to turn into Pharisees and forget what our faith is all about. Lord, we thank you for this story. Yes, it's a nice story. It's a heartwarming story. But Lord, more than that, it's a heart-changing story. For that man, Lord, unfortunately not for the Pharisees, but for that man it was life-changing. Hopefully it was life-changing for the disciples. But Lord, we need it to be heart-changing for us too. Because we want to be that man. We don't want to be that, those, uh, those Pharisees. Lord, we may be a little bit younger in our faith. We may be like the disciples and still have a way to go. But Lord, help us to think of that blind man. Think of how far he came, Lord, in such a short space of time. And help us to grab hold of the truth like he did to grab hold of you, to grab that hand that you are holding out uh, to us, Lord, so that we can uh, walk with you hand in hand with the God of the universe, with the Saviour of our souls, Lord. Lord, how can we respond to that? You want us to respond you want us to say, here I am, Lord, use me. That's how you want us to respond, Lord. So, Lord, as we close now, Lord, help us minister to us, Lord, minister to, the, to your spirit that is within us. Wake up our spirit, Lord. Help us to realise that you are not just a shopping list, God that you want us to reach out to you. We have a responsibility, Lord, as your sons and daughters to reach out, to walk out in faith, to strengthen our own faith, to bow down and worship you as this man did and say, surely you are the Son of Man, the Son of God. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.